0: What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. It is Tuesday, May 12th, 2020, and I am here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio.
1: Hello, Double G. How you doing, man? How you feeling? Sports are back. At least our favorite sport is back. How you
0: feeling? I mean, I'm feeling like Michael Jordan when he wins those championships on The Last Dance, <laughs> if I'm being honest.
1: Oh, man. That is so good, by the way. Just great TV. Anyway.
0: It's, it's awesome. And they had the Space Jam episode last night. It's all the I've, fields from the I'm 90s. Still,
1: I just watched seven, so I haven't watched eight yet, but I can't wait.
0: Well, no. We would have gotten... Wait. Oh, yes.
1: Because I split it up. I know they yes, 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 yeah, the same yeah. Night, but yeah.
0: You're trying to savor your content. It's,
1: it's that baby life, man.
0: Okay. <laughs> Well, Natalie, I mean, the last few months we've had, you know, we're just talking about throwbacks and we're talking about what we're watching on TV that involves violence. And now, Natalie, we don't have time. I don't need to know how you're doing. I don't don't need to know what you thought of the last dance because not only are we recapping one fight card, we are previewing two more.
1: I uh, can't even believe it because that's not even something we would have been saying before. All this that happened. So this is just like, you know, the best week we've had. I don't know. Is this the best week in 2020 far as far as MMA goes? I mean, I Maybe. think so. It's like, the, you know,
0: welcome to post-apocalyptic life.
1: <laughs> At yeah. least we have the UFC.
0: Exactly. No. So guys, you guys know what happened over the weekend. Let's get into it. UFC 249, it was not the main event that we wanted, but a lot of people would say it's the main event we deserved. Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Natalie, when I broke down this fight, five rounds, if we're still there after 20 minutes, it's got to be favoring Tony. If it's uh, ending quickly, it's because Justin Gaethje connected and put him down with that amazing power. Natalie, not once, in all of my ways of talking about it with you and other people, did I expect that the result would be that Tony Ferguson actually takes all those hammers to the face for the course of 25 minutes. It was literally inhuman, but man, Justin Gaethje was just on fire. Um, That was, uh, look, it was a fun fight, but toward the end, that was just a straight-up beatdown.
1: Yeah, man, Inhuman is right, and it was. At, by round five, I was like, hey, you guys can stop this fight. I was kind of wishing for Tony's corner to throw in the towel, so I'm happy that it got stopped when it did. It's the kind of stoppages you usually see, like, in boxing when you're on your feet. Um, but but the last couple of punches that Justin threw and Tony's head just kind of – he did like a, like a double take. He was like – he shook his head. He was looking down. He turned away. I mean – it, it looked like he was having, you know, a short circuit going on in there, and it looked scary and dangerous. So I'm glad Herb Dean stepped in. You, you know, there was definitely a case to be made for calling it even sooner than that in the within the fifth round. But he never got knocked down. It's unbelievable. How many shots to the head? 100 or something? Ridiculous, ungodly. Dang. Whew. And and then the next day he's dancing with his IV pole at the hospital. So I mean, Jesus. That's a <laughs> he can take a punch, but I don't know if that's a good thing when it's Justin Gaethje punching you.
0: I mean, you just can't keep him down. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I looked at it and I was like, not one of those shots <laughs> officially knocked Tony down. There were a few, I think at least one or two that the fence kind of prevented that, but yeah. still, um, just unreal. Um, look, uh, we could talk about the heart all day. Uh, Justin Gaethje, um, I said it before, and it's going to be look. It's the toughness in the defense. He doesn't get in there and get into wild exchanges. Picks his spots. Tony leaves openings. And the fact is, you know, and we saw it in the second round. Tony with that big uppercut drops Justin. I'm sorry, but that shot, just the same way Justin's punches sleep a lot of guys, that puts down probably about half of the UFC top 10 at lightweight. That uppercut. That is the kind of power Tony has. Justin took it and looked really better, you know, no worse for wear after that one. Um, the, yeah. de- the defense uh, just slip and rip. And I will say, he missed and he just swung wide, got a lot of air on a lot of punches throughout that fight. And, you know, credit to his coach, Trevor Whitman. We've all seen the video by now, telling him, take a little bit off of it. You're going to tire yourself out just trying to put him down. And, hey, maybe Trevor Whitman knew Justin. Believe it or not, this guy isn't actually going to go down when you hit him on the button. So I think that was great coaching. That was a great strategy by Justin Gaethje and the team. But also his attributes. We know he's a guy who's picking his spots now. We knew that he was a durable guy who was going to be able to get into a... Step into the fire with Tony and hold his own. But really just how effective he was. Even though he missed on a bunch, he took a few... Um, with the exception of the second round, and even though it was close, Justin Gaethje had a shutout in that fight. He won every round, even though it was competitive, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was unreal, man. It was a crazy fight. And the uppercut you mentioned, I don't know how Justin kept all his teeth, man, because that was just as clean as they get, sent his, his, his heads, you know, snapped his head back. But, but you are, um... Right, to, to point out the corner uh, advice of Trevor Whitman, telling him to take some steam off the punches, and then in the, before the fifth round, reminding him, don't be complacent, you know. And Justin Gage, he's like smiling. He's happy. He just looks like a kid, man. And it reminds me of, you know, when we talked last week, I said they're both savages, right? But Justin's the joyful one, and Tony's the scary one. And, you know, crazy fighting beats strong fighting nine times out of 10, but I think this is 10 out of 10. Not to toot my own horn, double G. But I did pick Justin Gaethje to win.
0: Are you I sure? I'm sure. Are, are you sure that, you know, when you sat down on your couch and little Joe was in the crib, are you <laughs> sure that that was your pick? Yeah, I I'm know sure. what you said I'm... on the radio, but come on now. No,
1: it, it was, actually. It was. But I where know. I did change, even though I picked Henry Cejudo so, uh, I, on our podcast, I saw your Twitter poll and I picked Dominic Cruz in your Twitter poll because my heart thought he was going to be able to do it. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, it, it, here's the thing, man. Look, um, I will say this. I think that the moments you did see for Tony, you know, not just the uppercut, but he had that one where, like, some capoeira, like, he got low and he chopped the leg and, you know, mm-hmm. essentially swept Justin. Uh, I'll say this. Those moments where Justin was swinging wide and missing – I felt like Tony was just going to capitalize in those moments and he was going to do damage and he was going to land shots. And yeah, I did not expect him to be there when Justin was throwing his punches. Um, The opposite, obviously, was what happened in the fight. But I just felt like those moments, I think a lot of people, those were the moments you thought Tony was going to do his work. And instead, you know, just Justin misses, but Tony can't capitalize. Justin catches Tony a lot coming in. And that was really the story of the fight, is that Tony never really did answer back with those shots in those moments. It just became an accumulation over the course of 25 minutes. And stylistically, look, like I said, Justin is a tough guy for anybody, for Tony, for the guy we're going to talk about in probably a couple seconds. Um, But yeah, just a very impressive fight for Justin. Stayed disciplined. Avoided the shots he needed to and landed the ones he needed to. Just a very, look, just he performed well. He executed that game plan well. Nothing more to say about it. That's how he got the job done against Tony Ferguson. Um, Tony, well, I mean, if, he's, if his dancing is any indication, he will be back sooner rather than later. I know he's got the broken orbital and all that, but this is Tony. This is the guy who tore his knee and still came back months earlier just because he felt like it. Uh, for Justin Gaethje though, the fight now him Habib Nurmagomedov. Give me some thoughts.
1: Well, uh, you know, first we should acknowledge how the world will, you know, how much, of a, much of a bummer it is that the world will never see, you know, a, a pristine, you know. Perfect record matchup between Khabib and Tony. We'll see the fight, I'm sure, at some point.
0: I didn't want to talk about that. It, <laughs> okay, it, it still well, hurts. It's like it we forced. just broke up, and it's like you know, I'm going through those pictures on my phone. but It still hurts, <sighs> Natalie. What does your it. relationship
1: status say right now? <laughs> it
0: still says it's complicated. It's complicated. I haven't accepted it. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't just taken it off.
1: It's complicated. Yeah, it's just like, man, if he had just waited and but but if Tony had waited, then we would never have gotten this amazing fight. And so
0: grateful so. anyway. It's okay. No, just Justin kidding. And Khabib. Justin Habib. Talk about it. This is a big fight.
1: It's a big fight. And I think just just looking off coming off of that fresh performance of Justin Gaethje's like and knowing that he has this amazing wrestling pedigree that he never needs to use and doesn't feel like using because he has so much fun on his feet. I think he's going to be a heck of a matchup for, for Khabib right now without having done any you know, research, just going off of what I know, without digging deeper. I think it's Justin all day against Khabib.
0: I mean, for myself, uh, look, I mean, it comes down to that big question, right? We know how good Khabib's wrestling is. I don't think a lot of us actually feel like we know how good is Justin's wrestling really. Yes, you could tell me how far he got in college wrestling. Yes, you can tell me he's got all this. And of course, you're going to be like his coaches and of course tell me that <laughs> he can wrestle like he's got his own gold medal like Mr. Uh, Triple C in the co event. Of course you're going to tell me that. But it's also one of those things, until I see it, we don't really know if it's actually going to be up to the level of stopping Habib Nurmagomedov. And that's really the be-all end-all of it. If it stays standing, it's hard to imagine that fight not going Justin's way 10 out of 10. The question is, when it gets to that, because I do also expect Habib at some point to get close to him and get his hands on him, will he be able to sprawl and brawl? Will he be able to avoid damage or similar to like uh, Henry and Dominic, you get him down, they pop right back up without ever really being controlled. All of that is going to be the key factor. Now, like you said, Justin's a pedigree and he doesn't need to use it. Yes, of course. But all the betting odds are going to come down to, do you actually believe he could stop those takedowns? Now, I, do, I am a bigger believer in Justin being able to do it compared to Dustin Poirier, compared to Conor McGregor. Tony was a different story because of the submission game. But in terms of, can he just stop the takedown stop himself from ending up on his back. I'm a bel- bigger believer in dus- sorry, in Justin Gaethje avoiding that compared to a lot of guys in the lightweight division. Take into account the power, the cardio, the durability, the chin on Justin Gaethje. Heck yeah, this is an interesting fight. It is a very, very difficult fight to score because that's going to be the X factor and we're all going to be surprised. Habib gets him down. Ah, well, you know what? It's Habib, right? That shouldn't really surprise anybody. If he can't, I mean, we could be looking at a lightweight division upside down very soon, and I think that's very exciting.
1: Yeah, I think it's super exciting, too. And and it's crazy how, like, you know, as good as and exciting as Justin Gaethje was when he joined the UFC and, you know, earning his name the highlight even though he went... One and three in his first three fights, and we knew he was awesome. We knew he was amazing, but the the performance that he put on against Tony Ferguson, I think, sent him to the next level. And so he is like the, you know, compared to after after Khabib, I should say, he's like the marquee fighter at 155. And if I'm Conor McGregor, I'm I'm I guess <laughs> you can handle it one of two ways. You can just lay low and wait till they book you a fight and take any fight, or you can lash out at everybody on Twitter and kind of puff up your chest, but, you know, I think uh, we just want to see fights, and now that we've got them back, if you're not willing to get in there, then I think just, you know, don't bother with the Twitter, because it, it's not going to get you anywhere.
0: I mean, uh, I got to say this, is that um, Conor McGregor... It's very rare that you say he's the odd man out because he carries so much, but really, what else has happened to him? And he's aware of that, and he's trying to. What he always does, this is how, part of his deal, and how he's been able to do it. Right? Is he keeps himself in the conversation even when he's not the subject? Um, I I think that's the biggest thing about it. Uh, I'll say this though, uh, Natalie, you don't have Justin Gaethje to fight. You don't have Habib. Uh Tony the fight with Tony would still be good but coming off a loss maybe you feel like that's more high risk low reward if you're Connor Well who does he got left Jorge Masvidal I mean come on guys I know yeah. I know the fight with the fights with Nate and Cowboy were at 170 but that's a different 170 That's 170 because you're not uh not cutting weight there's also 170 when you're putting on muscle and making yourself a strong welterweight like Jorge. There's levels to this. So I will say that is that I get it. But, you know, I think to address the Conor thing, he is aware that somebody now has to, he has to wait or something has to happen with one of the other players because, you know, it's all high-risk, low-reward fights from here on out. There's no big fight, Even, you know, the Habib fight was going to be huge. The Gaethje fight, you know, he's the A-side, he controls so much. Now, I mean, look, at least Justin was closer to his size. But, man, that's, you know, Connor is aware of the situation.
1: Yeah, going up to 170 against a true 170 pounder or someone who has become a true 170 pounder like like Masvidal has, that's not a good idea. Uh -uh. No way. Um, I mean, I'll watch it, but I just don't think it's a good idea for Conor McGregor. So, yeah, man, I think he kind of got himself left uh, on the sidelines here by, you know, he came back with his Cerrone fight, but he should have just jumped right back in, back into it. And I think, I think he was being too picky, which is fine to do. You're Conor McGregor. You should be. But then all this COVID stuff happened. And, and I don't know. I don't know if there has been any news about him being offered fight to fight you know during this this period like for UFC 249 before everything got shut down no idea but uh, I'm, I should say once Khabib was removed if if, if it was possible for Connor to fly out and be a part of this fight or not in any case he's spending way too much fighting people on Twitter and I think it just makes them I love Connor. I think it makes him look a little desperate right now but you know it's kind of all the only card he has to play so we'll see what happens
0: I mean, I'm going to give him a pass. There's a lot of things that have changed due to, you know, the C word. I mean, you know, my LeBron James and my Lakers are supposed to be whooping the Clippers in the playoffs right about oh my now. my God, and, seriously. Jeez. And, it's, you know, people are supposed to be at Dodger Stadium packing that thing, and, uh, you know, we're at the house. So, uh, look, I, I think that there's a lot that's been flipped upside down. Not just there, but you look at all the divisions, which we'll probably touch on by the time this episode's done. um It's a lot, but look, I mean, under the circumstances, that's why this is a big deal, right as As we move forward, this is what we got, and it's still a great fight with Habib and Justin, and everyone will still be put back in place sooner rather than later, for sure. It's just a matter of when, and I'll say this, you know, Dana White touched on it you know conor mcgregor is a tough guy to have without a gate maybe they're planning some special if i'll say this let me ask you fight island does it happen or does it not happen
1: oh it's gonna happen it happens for sure
0: i don't know and i'll say it for this simple reason is that you know it's kind of talked about like this long-term thing right I almost feel like by the time you're able to get, you know, fans back in the stadium is about the time that fighters will be able to get on planes. And so it's like by the time you're actually ready to get fights on the island, you're probably looking at, well, shouldn't we all actually be on, um, you know, back at the apex? So it's like, uh, I don't know. It feels very weird. I get it. I like it. You know, Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon, Mortal Kombat, the movie. I'm not silly. Those t-shirts look nice on UFC.com. I get the emails too, but I don't know. But my thing is, look, we're talking about life without LiveGate revenue. If you're talking about the Fight Island pay-per-view with Conor McGregor, okay suddenly things are happening now. And I will admit that that would be huge. Conor McGregor had pay-per-view
1: on fight Island. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. And you know, we'll see how, how much they're willing to, uh, to pass up that gate. But I mean, uh, if it looks really cool, like if they can get some good backdrop, depending on where the octagon is being built and it's just going to be one of those like iconic things. Yeah, man. Like, I'm all for it. I think it will happen because at the very very least, you'll get one one fight. And then after that, they'll use it for, I don't know, tough or whatever. But I think you'll get at least one card there because they've hyped it so much and they're already building the quote-unquote infrastructure, whatever that means. And so I think we'll get one, at least one
0: card. I'm going to just say this. I want it to be the most ridiculous-looking thing we've ever seen. I want (laughs) it to make the BMF event look normal. I want tikis that are blowing fire out of the mouths. <laughs> I, <want>, <laughs> I want palm trees and ferns and fawns around the octagon. I want everything to make this thing look like it is on a legit island, like we are on the beach. So civilization is far away, and it just is the most savage, brutal thing that we happen to have a referee for. I want Fight <laughs> Island to look like that. I don't want this, you know... Like Bellator Hawaii, no, that does not cut it. You're gonna do this. I want it to look like that. I want Alima to say, "Man, I really been weak in my walkout game." If I, you know, for Hawaii. I want that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's I want them I'm,
1: to swim ashore, um, and that's the way they walk into the cage. And they have to swim there from another island.
0: I want them to show sharks on the, <laughs> you know, in the shallow water of the island you know, where you could see the cage. I want that kind of visual. <laughs> if it's not that, I don't want it. <laughs> All right, well. Let's talk about the co-main event. Let's Henry, the co Henry, Henry Cejudo, Dominic Cruz. Um, did Dominic look the way you thought? You know, let me rephrase that. Did Dominic look like the Dominic Cruz who beat TJ and fought Cody Garbrandt to five rounds last time you saw him?
1: He looked like he was getting there, like he was warming up to get there. And um, by the time the fight got stopped, like literally right just before that, I was like, oh, man, the tide is turning. Dominic's going to turn it, you know, get his offense going more. So, you know, um, he was he was getting there. But but I think he just had to they had to get used to each other. I mean, he said himself in his interview with Helani, like I took a little bit too long feeling out henry in the first round i should have just jumped in sooner and yeah that's what it looked like it looked like he he was a little bit too patient and you know he paid the price for it but but i thought he looked generally good and it was clear to me that he was going to start turning it up what about you did you did you see the old dom or did you think uh uh-oh we're in trouble here
0: I'm not going to lie. I think that because Henry Cejudo, I mean, he's he's got such a broad back, I almost felt like, well, Dominic's either going to look bigger than him or he's going to look, you know, uh, more svelte. And look, that could be a case of Dominic, you know, like put on some muscle, you know, since the last time I feel like I saw him at Bantamweight. Um, my point is that um, I just felt like, you know, part of it was probably Henry Cejudo, but then it's hard to be like, well... How fast do I actually remember him being? Um, I will say this, that for the, you know, for the most part, Dominic did look very, very much like a threat. I don't think that he looked out of shape, washed and all that. I think that, you know, when you, especially the second round, you see him piercing the guard with a lot of punches. He's avoiding a lot of stuff Henry's trying to do. He ate a lot of leg kicks, but for the most part, 10 minutes in, he's avoided significant damage. Now, that being said, I think that Henry did a fantastic job looking composed, staying with it. I think that he studied a lot of tape on Dominic and he knew what to do. I was surprised as many punches went through on Henry, but I'm also going to give credit to Dominic's fight IQ. He doesn't just sit there and watch fights while he's eating chips. I feel like he watches all this, goes to commentate, and then puts a lot of stuff into practice at the gym. And I feel like you saw that. I felt like he looked like he was seeing a lot of openings and he was able to capitalize on a bunch of them. So I was impressed. But, um, really that final frame and give credit. Uh, Henry Cejudo had his own Tony Ferguson moment. He felt his own blood and he turned it up. Yeah. Uh, the knee hurts Dominic. Um, the stoppage. I was completely good with it because those were a lot of unanswered shots and. Yes, was he rising? Yes. But the second you are taking unanswered shots, it's a referee's job to step in. Period. I know it's a title fight, but the second you're laid out for any amount of time and your opponent is throwing throwing them at you, you know, it's a green light for any referee. So I know in in real time, yeah, it looked closer, but the slow-mo said that uh, that was a clean stoppage to me.
1: I mean, for me, even in real time, I thought it was it was clean. I had no issue with it. I, you know, I felt for Dom being upset uh, about it because so much was on the line and how great it would have been had he been given a, a chance. I mean, of course, to win, but to even just make it a proper fight, yeah, man, it was. They, they say eleven unanswered shots, and like his hands, to me, his hands were were flat on the canvas. And by the time he he moved against the cage and was starting to rise it coincided perfectly with Keith Peterson stepping in there was no way for him to, to for the ref to have seen um, that in time he was already on his way in and and touching the fighter so it, you know it's no issues for me either I, you know a lot of shots unanswered whether they hurt dom or not if you see that you got to stop the fight man now now there was very little time left on the clock and so for that reason if i'm a ref and I'm aware of the clock maybe I would let it go a little longer but I, you're not supposed to right you're supposed to just look at which you know keep your eyes on the fighters and the clock shouldn't matter so I think he did his job
0: yeah I was good with it, it once again like it's tough like um you talk about uh zombie versus Jair Rodriguez Alistair Overeem Jairzinho like look I get it no one wants to you know a buzzer beater is kind of what gets you so to speak but Look, the fact is, the hits landed when they did. It was at the end of the round, and clean stoppage. You know, I do believe that. Uh, Natalie, right about now, we're supposed to be talking about why is Henry Cejudo still trying to fight Jose Aldo? Peter Jan (laughs) is right there. Al Jermaine is right there. Um, Frankie Edgar could move down. You got Corey Sanhagen out there. And instead, this guy retires to the surprise of everybody um what was your reaction because i i was a little at a loss for words you know i was not surprised
1: uh i wasn't aware of these yeah i wasn't i wasn't aware of these like rumors that he had already been internally talking about retiring should he not get the money he was looking for uh but not surprised because it really does make sense to me i just the little bit that i've listened from um of him on interviews, especially like the Joe Rogan podcast, like it's clear that he had, that this was just a a pit stop for him, you know, to, to break some more records, um, you know, add some more accomplishments to his resume and then do something else, conquer something else. And he said on the Joe Rogan show, all I want to do is, you know, the number one thing he wanted to do was be a husband and a father. So not surprised, man. I think it's actually super smart. And when he lays it out the way he does, it's like he can't argue with it. You know, the Olympic champ, two-time flyweight, two-time bantamweight, and the when you look at the wrong, the names that he's defeated. He defended both belts. You know, Conor McGregor didn't do that. DC didn't do that. So wait,
0: it, DC did.
1: Did he defend did. both the? Yep. Oh yes, Derek Lewis. <laughs> You're right. Take it back. Sorry. Like, hey,
0: on. wait a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but but in any case. I think it makes sense, man. And he's already before this had been making a lot of well, I don't know, a lot, but money doing speaking engagements, motivational speaking. It seems that's his passion. He really wants to motivate people and inspire people. He's got a great story. So and he has a girlfriend now. So go make your money, man. Save save your brain. Like there's no benefit to sticking around because he's he 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 says, I want to finish on top. And like this is like the sweetest moment. Like you can climb a little bit higher than this if you're Henry Cejudo. You can climb a little higher, but then you're just going to start going down. That's just the nature of the sport of any athlete, of any you know athletics. So why not just enjoy? Enjoy this glorious, like pristine MMA fighting career that you've had and then go do something else cool. I'm on board, man. And I feel for Dom because he, he said as much basically with Joe Rogan, but he, he was probably looking to do the same thing if he won. That would have been a great way to go out.
0: Yeah, I think that for me what surprised me is, um, you know, look, you're right. Everything else would have just kind of, uh, you know, when you've had the run he has, it's kind of hard to keep going, right? Um, I don't believe he would have beaten uh, Volkanovski, by the way. I, there's, at a certain point, it runs out. Yeah, 145, um, no. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, look, I mean, uh, I'll say bluntly, you had Demetrius Johnson defend that belt 12 times. You've got this double champ who feels like he could do all these things, right? And instead, he kind of calls it uh, just as he's getting going. I'm sorry, but he's only had the belt for uh, three fights. Uh, That, to me, is like, wait, what? Like, you know, set your records. And yes, at the same time, you know, look, he... Didn't have any fights at Bantamweight before he... Or at least one or two before he got that one at 135 and beat Marlon Moraes. It just surprised me. But at the same time, it's like, look, I mean, the second you say that you're done and you want out, it's a, probably a good time. Because um, I think anytime you feel like there's any other motivation or lack thereof, that's when it gets very dangerous. And then, that, then for your own safety, and I think as a viewer, as a fan... It's like, if you're not all in on it, don't, you know, then why am I going to invest? So if he wants out to move on to do all of his stuff and, you know, have a lot of little Henry's and what have you, by all means, man, <laughs> go for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't blame the guy. And if he comes back and pulls like a GSP versus Michael Bisping, you know, five years from now, like, OK, that's cool, too.
0: <laughs> I could see that, I, I guess, very bluntly. Is this it? This is the last fight for Henry Cejudo, period.
1: Um, well, you know, I think it probably is. However, it would be, you know, there's like this, this, this great precedent set by GSP to do uh, a surprise return, you know, after whatever amount of time. But I do think it, it is. He has done with it. He's been competing for a long time. I think he's done
0: i think that it comes down to a couple of factors it comes down to how you know and look i wish him well but it's like okay he wants to be like a property brother right that's what he's saying the real estate thing and all this other stuff
1: oh ah, okay it
0: comes down to okay like how does that work for you is it satisfying do you enjoy it um does it you know wwe and other stuff like do these other entertainment opportunities happen very bluntly you know, Henry Cejudo is not going to go from double champ, triple C to working in your local real estate office showing you model homes. You know what I mean? It's just not I that I just don't see it working like that for him. It's got to there's got to be a new endeavor that he'll reach with his platform. I don't want to say rather quickly, but I almost feel like that's kind of the idea, right, is that the wheels have to be in motion I think that, you know, if these things, you know, come up, but they're not, you know, like, look, Property Brothers is a big deal. There's a whole home, you know, HGTV it is, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I I, I get that. If it's not, you know, clicking and let's say there's this guy who pops up at 135, killing everybody. Maybe it's a guy who could drop down and be a flyweight also. And, you know, for whatever reason, it's like, hey, you know, Cejudo, where you been, man? I mean, do you still want this? I could see that happening. Now, if he honestly, if we go on to find out that he is very entertaining when he's not being the king of cringe, by all means, we may never see him do anything UFC related again. We're going to be like, dang, do you remember that Henry Cejudo? Yeah, you (laughs) mean the HGTV guy? Yeah, can you believe he used to whoop butt like that?
1: What would the name of his 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 uh HD TV show be? Henry, Triple Flip.
0: Henry's <laughs> Holmes. Henry's <laughs> Holmes. What else could it be? Yeah, uh, he could. Um, it'll be something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would say this. I think that he believes he's good for reality TV. I'm not saying like Kardashian style, but I wouldn't mind seeing how he handles this and seeing if. And if if he's good at it, you know, flip some homes, really rebuild it, something like that.
1: I mean I'm sure he he seems like a smart dude, you know? I'm sure he he'd do just fine.
0: I mean I'm interested. Okay, he's getting into real estate. Is he gonna to talk to Ally Akinta? Someone like that? <laughs> I mean he might, who knows? Dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, ask anybody who's done it successfully. There's a lot of um a lot of money to be made in real estate, so I think that's also a big part of it is like, hey, you do your thing and, you know, you don't have to get beat up or cut weight for a living.
1: That's the thing. It's like, you know, he's smart enough to know he wants to keep that smart, that smart, those smarts. And, like, if you reach a point where you can look back and say, like, yeah, I did did this stuff. I did all these great things and, like, in half the time and having to fight half as many people and having to get, you know half is half as hurt as most people he's one of those guys that's like an athlete more than he is a fighter and and so he, i think he's proving that by moving on to something new
0: yeah i think it'll be very interesting to see what he does end up um just how it looks i think that's my biggest thing how does it look but yeah if this has been it Henry, thank you for the ride, thank you for the fun, thank you for the cringe as funny as it is to say and yeah, best of luck. Uh 135, you got Peter Yan, you got Marlon Moraes, Corey, uh, Aldo. I mean, talk to me. Um you could make one fight for the Bantamweight title. Who is it between?
1: I guess I would say Algermaine and, and Peter. That would be my uh that would be my pick. Oh.
0: I, I get Sterling. I really do. I just feel like Marlon Moraes. I feel like it's kind of the justice, right? Like, okay, you know, you beat Sterling, and they were going to go with Jose Aldo, even though you beat Aldo. And now, you know, I almost feel like he gets the tie break with Sterling because he knocked him out to fight Peter Jan. I guess that's fair.
1: Here's okay. what I hope doesn't happen is it doesn't go to Jose Aldo. He's not one of the guys. Just because he was going to get a title shot with Henry Cejudo, like that was a, a a matchup for a different reason. You know, Henry was picking his fight. He wanted a legacy opponent. Now we should just do clean, deserved, you know, merit-based matchmaking here, and, and I don't think he fits into that equation.
0: But here's another curveball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say, okay, let I'm going to give you some names. Let me see if you know what's in common with them. Peter Jan, Marlon Moraes, Jose Aldo. What do they got in common?
1: Besides being in the bantamweight division?
0: Besides that.
1: International? Oh, yeah. They, what you,
0: yeah. They can't get to the U.S. Yep. So depending on how things are working out with this fight island, it could, you know... Low key, what have we got? Aljamain Sterling versus Frankie Edgar for the title.
1: Oh lord!
0: <laughs> Think, I'm just saying. And now here's another thing. The same way I talked to you about Conor McGregor fight Island, what sells a better pay per view? Jose Aldo or Marlon Moraes? Yeah, <laughs> Let's see it's the issue. Jose I Aldo. I completely get what you're saying. Believe me, but as we have. As we should now know, and if you don't, I don't know what else to say, it's not just about the num- um the wins, it's also about the numbers you can do. And I think that's a very key factor. If you're talking to me about selling a pay-per-view, you can't tell me that Jose Aldo is suddenly an afterthought. For the same reason he would have fought Henry, he could still fight Piotr Jan or somebody else if they feel like they need to bolster this card with star power. So... I, I, I want mean, to say this, it's all on the table, but if it were to be on Merit's on who's doing what in Bantamweight, I do give Marlon the edge against Peter Jan over Alge- in terms of fighting over Al- Jermaine Sterling. Damn. Yeah,
1: I know. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean... Yeah, the international thing is like throws a huge wrench into everything. And then at that point it's like, well, if we're only picking international fighters, yeah, we might as well pick the most get the most bang for our buck. And so <laughs> there's Jose Aldo waiting with arms crossed. Uh, we'll see. They said they're going to they're going to pick it like today, right? Tuesday. Yeah, Dana White no, no, said no, no. Tuesday matchmaking. Next
0: Tuesday. Oh, next they're, Tuesday. They're, they're oh, that's right. after the fight week, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, the next week we'll know. Uh <sighs> decisions decisions um uh, natalie so i'm watching the fight Jarzinho versus francis i'm sorry but um uh, i'm blanking on his name is it dan miragliotta uh, the referee i'm sorry but when francis knocked him out he's got Jarzinho asleep against the fence and he's throwing punches i'm sorry but that ref jumped in there like, he was legit worried for Jarzinho's life. Like, if I don't stop this fight, this, the follow-ups might kill this man. And I'm not going to lie. I believed it. I watched the replay, and I was scared for Jarzinho. That is how powerful Francis looked. Um, you know what? I think the thing that gets to me, this is what Jarzinho does. Look how many knockouts he's had within a minute, for crying out loud. Um, But, man, Francis Ngannou, I was very impressed. Uh, Look, he just kind of went for it, and it worked. And I know that we shouldn't be surprised by his power, but, Natalie, I was just still shocked and frightened at the same time and impressed by his power once again.
1: Yeah, man, it was, like, stunning, and I was worried for Jarzinho too. And I think think the ref, if it was Dan, I think he even, like, had to shout, like, hey, hey, stop, as he was coming in, um, because you don't want to get – hit inadvertently with one of those shots and you say Francis went for it and yeah it wasn't it wasn't like super clean technique um, and we've seen him he has that ability but I think once he felt the heat coming at at him and he saw an opening he just kind of started swinging wildly and lunging forward and you know he he happened to catch Jarzinho before you know Rosenstrike caught him and then he just went for it and just was not going to stop like it was it was pretty savage man it was pretty beastly he was just swinging his arms, and it didn't matter that the guy was out. He was just going to keep going until the ref, the ref stepped in. It was scary, and and the crowd I think would have been silenced had there been a crowd. I think they would have been silenced, and so it was it was that kind of made that kind of impact. Yikes! And, and I do I do think the UFC missed out on an opportunity here. You know, I know Francis is I think has quoted as saying he's sad that they didn't give this um, interim belt status. They should have, you know, they got plenty of those belts floating around and like, just, you know, add another, add another belt to your, to your lineup and you probably would have gotten more eyeballs too. And uh, Francis deserves it. Like he's a specimen. He's so special. Props to DC also for saying that he's willing to fight him for the interim. That is a scary fight, man. If I'm DC and I'm sitting there, which I think they pan to him, like, (laughs) woo. that's one of those where like you just say you want to fight him to save face because you're (laughs) you know you're a heavyweight former champion but like inside you're like nah
0: i'm I'm okay i'm sorry but they should have had dc do the post-fight interview yeah Uh, rogan stay seated i want to see what dc would have to say you know francis would have done that thing where he like pats his head or something like come on little man (laughs) don't be scared um I, i love dc's reaction he said look john I would have taken him down by now. <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't have, like I would not have, you know, t- touched gloves. I would have gone straight to a double leg. Um, look, he's being honest about it. We all are. Um, what, what was it? Alexander Volkov was supposed to fight Curtis Blades. I'm sure that once again, it might be a fight island situation with Volkov being international. Uh, very bluntly, I think that if Volkov were to beat Curtis, that is the only fight besides a title fight for Francis and Garner. I think that um, to give him anybody else, uh, just pick an adjective: disrespectful, just illogical. It, it just doesn't make sense. I feel like unless Francis, you know, that's only Francis is waiting a long time. But very bluntly, I feel like anything else besides a title shot, really, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, this is like your he's your he's your heavyweight star. I mean DC is is on the way out? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean he's admitted he's that. Admitted. And he's he's there's nothing wrong with that. And Stipe's busy with his other career. And Francis Nganu is god almighty. I mean, like, just look at the guy. You can make so much money, frankly, off off of having a heavyweight of that size, physique, caliber of of fighter. So they, they have to be able to see what they have with him, and it doesn't seem like they are, and he feels it. He doesn't feel appreciated, you know, and they have this whole Africa um, um, angle that they can play with Kamaru and Israel and Francis. like there's so much marketing that they can do with him. They have to make him feel appreciated because you don't want to lose Francis and Ghana.
0: I don't know if it's as much lose, Francis. I think that you feel like he's in such a precarious position because Francis Ganu, hypothetically, let's say he were to lose twice to Stipe. Where does he go? You know, I think that there's something to be said for the timing. Um, I, I will also admit that, um, look, it, at a certain point, it's also the time is now, right? And like I said, I think um, it's hard to deny him a title fight. Uh Before we move on, I want to ask you: Francis has needed less than three minutes to knock out Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, now Jorginho Do you believe that he's improved his cardio in terms of his wrestling and everything else over twenty-five minutes?
1: Yeah, I, I think for sure, and he's he's training with a you know proper U.S. team, so I think definitely like there's no way he's not better prepared will he be able to you know out grapple or defend successfully every time probably not but yeah he's he's definitely a different fighter than he was when he first fought Stepe. although man if i'm Stepe with that tiny head i don't want any of that either jeez
0: yeah. i mean i feel like he has to have how could he not right yeah the question is do you expect him to be able to do that for you know against these high-level guys and still be good for 25 minutes. That's the X factor. Has he drastically improved that takedown defense? No, not just the takedown defense, but the cardio and all that. That's going to be the key question for any matchup. You know, striking with him, you know, I mean, good. You know, I hope you said, uh, I hope you told your family you love them before you decide you're going to go in and want to strike with Nganu, I'll say that. But, um... Yeah, it's just, he's a very scary guy, and I think that's the question. How's the cardio, how's the wrestling? Because the power, we know, is fine. It's just, you know, if you can survive that, how is he in deep water since his last fight with steeping?
1: Yeah, the thing is, he throws those punches. He throws punches from such, you know, random, sneaky angles that even if he is, You know, someone's getting the better of him with resting and he's getting tired. Like, I feel like now, the way he fights now, he can still catch you coming in for a takedown and and he can still hurt you. So he may not be in, you know, hold on to that stamina through five rounds. But I think his power will still, it's still like so much more than most that it'll still hurt you. We'll see.
0: Oh, I agree with that. Um, There was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Calvin Cater, brutal elbow, brutal knockout on Jeremy Stevens. Uh, Anthony Pettis takes the rematch. That was a fun fight. I know that there was a lot to remember, but that was a good fight with Cowboy and Pettis. That was a lot of fun, a lot of exchanges. I felt like Cowboy had the win in that one. Did you have it that way or did you have it Pettis like the judges?
1: I kind of had it for Cowboy too, excuse me. Um, I was like, oh, I could go either way, but I'm leaning towards Cowboy, so, um, but it makes, it's, it's, it was one of those where they're both so good, and they're willing to just keep it standing, and they're old school, and so, you know, you knew it was going to be close. Um, I feel for Cowboy, though, is that, is that five in a row, four in a row? That's a lot.
0: That's four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was quite the odd one. I'm not going to lie. The, it, we didn't have to worry about it on the main card, really, but the judging felt a little odd. Um, I know people felt a way about the Olympic uh, the fight a little bit, but then the big one, the Carla Sparza michelle Watterson fight, one judge has it 30-27 for... Waterson, another judge has it. 3027 Carla and I'm like wait what yeah, yeah I know Jeez. I was about to say it's like it's Texas all over again it was very <laughs> concerning for a minute but um look the main card didn't really need it but uh, right. yeah certainly those prelims there was like hey hey wait a minute we've uh, we might have a situation
1: I gotta tell you man the other day I was wearing my mask as you do in these times and I had it on too tight I was just, you know, just too tight, whatever. And by 30 minutes I'm wearing the mask, I was starting to feel lightheaded. <laughs> and my muscles were starting to ache. And I was like, oh, no, what is happening to me? It's because I was restricting my airflow. So maybe these guys had their masks on too tight. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to wear those things all day.
0: <laughs> that is a very sweet and generous thing for you to say. I'll say that. <laughs> but yeah, This is very true uh do you use a paper like the disposable mask do you have like a fabric one it was you a cloth one yeah a friend of mine made a cloth i
1: usually just wear like a bandana like a jesse james style but bandana like the cowboy not the motorcycle guy yeah but um i have a, a cloth one too it's it's uh it's pretty nice but i just uh i tied those straps on too tight man <laughs>
0: I had one a friend made me it's nice and snug, and she put like another like layer of fabric right over the mouth and nose area. yeah my goodness though, man, my ears feel it like you gotta almost have them. I don't want to make it sound like too bougie, but you really do need to like feel it because if it's a little too tight, it does like I have big ears they kind of almost flop forward if the straps are not firmly around the back of my ear if they're around a bit of the top they flop right forward so
1: i mean we might be related i have the same i have the same ears so
0: yeah so you know i've noticed that with masks some of them i'm like you know what this just sucks i feel like it's just gonna come off if i'm not completely you know just choking myself with it so anyway but that's just that's a sidebar a lot of other stuff um real quick the president, he did a whole thing for the UFC. What do you think about that?
1: Man, you know what? I mean, good, good for the UFC, honestly. like He's Dana White's best buds with, with President Donald Trump. And uh, I didn't see that until the next day because I, my priority was to watch the main event. And so I saw of what I could of the prelims in between Joe's you know, sleep time and wake time. By the time the main thing kicked off, he was sound asleep. So I was all in. So, so anyway, I missed the the thing that went down in the prelims, but I mean, I think that's a great, a great boon for the UFC and hopefully, um, you know, I don't know, they see some kind of added fan base from it. Um, you know, politics aside, right. But, but, uh, not surprised because I knew that the, that, that Trump had been wanting very badly for sports to come back. And uh, I think the fact that the guy who he chose to speak for him at the Republican uh, convention uh, in, 20, in 2016, um, you know, no surprise that that's the guy that he's, he's still batting for. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it sucks if you're on the, like, Leslie Smith side or the fighter side trying to fight for, for, for rights with the National Labor Board, right, when you get shut down because Dana White has the president a phone call away. That's terrible, but in this instance, it's, it's beneficial. So, I don't know. How did you see it? Were you
0: shocked? Did you know it was coming? Uh, who did, right? But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's a sign of the times, you know, like this, is, like, like you said, you know that um, he's very tight with Dana White. Um, Trump has been, like, put it this way. Guys, remember, you're talking about a president of the United States who once held UFC fights. or sorry or mma fights in general is what i mean um i find this all very interesting i think if you put politics aside and just look at the facts that is really that's quite something that's really cool um i think that with that it's like look you know it's um you think about where we were 10 years ago or for any president, and you think about this idea that, oh, they're going to be coming out and they're going to be doing essentially almost like a PSA um, before a UFC event. Come on, man, get out of here. So <laughs> the shock factor for me is like, you know what? That is, that's saying something. You know, the relationship that Dana and them have, but also like, hey, he's got advisors who might tell him, uh, is this maybe not the best idea? That's quite sure they something. Do.
1: Think about how busy a president of the United States should be, and he had time to go get a camera crew, write a little speech, set up the shot with the perfect angle of the overlock behind him, get, you know, makeup, whatever he needed to get. He took the time to do all that.
0: <laughs> well, isn't he supposed to be at home all day, too, like us? Correct. <laughs> he is, he may be he's
1: already at home.
0: <laughs> Maybe he has more time than we do also. Maybe he has more time also to do these things. Damn. I'm not going hey, to dive into that anymore. I feel like then, you know, we're turning into CNN. But, yeah, yeah, no, but I just want to yeah. point out the obvious. Yep. <laughs> uh, Natalie, we've got a pair of main events to touch on before we log out. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Anthony Smith, Glover Tashira, light heavyweights, For one, Anthony Smith already has one win going into this after defending his home like a boss. Right. That being said, um, Glover Tashira is not a pushover. I see this um, footwork and speed over uh, Glover is the big key for Anthony Smith. I think the ground game is key for Tashira. I think he gets on top of Smith. That could be a really, it could really turn the tides. Um they're both durable. They both hit hard. It's a fun fight. Um how do you see it?
1: I think Anthony Smith just out, out hustles Glover Teixeira. He's younger, stronger, faster. You know, we can't I can't I can't ignore the age gap, you know. Actually, I don't know how far apart it is, but to me I think of Glover Teixeira as being like 40.
0: Maybe he you is. know off the top of your head. He is. I just Yeah. It.
1: So so I think I think you know that's going to that's going to be the final deciding sliding factor there. So I'm picking. Um, well, is it time for picks? Am I go jumping the gun? Yep, go for it. <laughs> okay, I'm picking Anthony Smith um, by uh, by knockout round two. So we'll see. I think that you know maybe they'll go back and forth a little bit in round one, but but Smith is gonna get like nasty with it, get a little grimy, and then he's gonna be able to find his opening to to to, to finish Glover, which sucks because you know Glover's a great fighter. And uh, happy that he's got this this nice um main event during this time, lots of eyeballs hopefully. But I think maybe he's on the on the other side of this division right now.
0: I think that um Anthony also I will say Glover's another one of those guys very difficult to put away. I can't remember the last time he got knocked out or finished like that. So I actually feel like it'll be a unanimous decision. I think that uh, Anthony just outpoints Glover. I think that you know. Get in and out. Don't you know? Similar to um, what you thought Tony was going to do with Justin Gaethje, just don't get in there. Stay in the pocket for big exchanges. Just get your shots and get out. He's the faster fighter. I think he's going to be the better conditioned over 25 minutes in terms of output. Um, so I do feel like yeah, that's Anthony Smith's uh, game to win. Uh, just avoid getting uh, corralled against the fence, and I think you're good if you're Anthony. But um, very dangerous fight. There's a lot of power on both men, but I have Anthony. Unanimous decision. Glover doesn't go away quietly.
1: Ah, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. We shall see.
0: And then finally, the, on Saturday, we have two fight cards. So what tomorrow night, Anthony Smith, Glover Tashira. You also have Obin St. Prue, Ben Rothwell. You've got Drew Dober, Alexander Hernandez uh Ray Borg is back, Ricky Simone, all of this stuff. Then on Saturday, the heavyweights, Alistair Overeen will be fighting Walt Harris. Um I mean look, we know Walt's motivation and I know look, he's he's the people's champion right now, as he should be, and everything he went through with his uh stepdaughter Anaya. That being said, you know, he's coming back. He's he wants to fight and do everything, you know, inner honor and just kind of get back to this a bit so he's coming there to throw down with a very experienced heavyweight and Alistair Overeem Alistair needs a win well not to say they don't always but you want to have a good comeback after that disappointing loss at the buzzer to Mm Rosen Strike. yeah so he's going to be going out there some great motivation on his side too um Alistair to me is a little uh, just more technical, a little bit cleaner. I think that Walt's big thing is that he's just very durable and very crafty as well. I think that he's very disciplined. Uh, He's shown that he's got a lot of experience. He's on a two fight win streak. This is a very close fight.
1: Yeah, it is, but I think, you know, the personal motivation that Walt Harris is bringing with him, I think, will be the, the X factor here. And, uh, I think he'll, he'll get it done for that. Um, that, that, that will be like, just like I said, an extra tangible. Yeah. And, and Alistair is another legend of the sport. Who's always dancing around the top of this division, but you know, one step forward, two steps back seems to be the story of, of his career recently. So I'm, I'm thinking Walt Harris is going to take this one and, uh, not sure when but I think it's going to be a knockout I think Alistair maybe his chin maybe is a little bit on the uh worn side and I think Wall Harris is going to be able to catch him so I want to say second round again but I don't want to you know repeat myself with the Smith to share a prediction but I think I'm going to I'm going to go with my instincts I think second round uh KO by Wall Harris I'm
0: gonna disagree with you I feel like at the end of the day, stylistically, he's a very good matchup for Alistair Overeem. I think that he tries to be in a lot of positions where I feel like Alistair may excel at mid-range. So I feel like Alistair's just going to be a little bit cleaner. I do think that after you've been knocked out, if there's one guy who knows about bouncing back, it's Alistair Overeem, and the defense is just a little bit tighter the next time out. I think that Alistair Overeem gets the job done. I think that a uh, tough fight, patient, but third round, KO or TKO for Alistair.
1: Oh, boy. We are completely in disagreement. like it. We should put money on it. I wish I had put money on it last week.
0: You know you didn't believe in Justin. <laughs> I could hear I it in your voice. You did. I did, even though I had that Freudian slip. with. The- no, it was your heart telling you what you really thought. That's what yeah. I believe. Your heart told you you thought Tony was going to get the job
1: done. Hey, man, I'm it's on okay. record picking Justin. But, okay, side note, though, going back to the Smith to share a card. By any chance, did you see Ben Rothwell in the face-offs? Did you see that amazing giant wooden rosary that he was sporting? Um, if you haven't, you should check it out because as soon as I saw it, I went on Amazon to see if I could buy one, but they don't tell them that big apparently on Amazon.
0: Oh my gosh, no! I have to <laughs> you gotta to go, go check out MMA Junkie's stream or something. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> I will check that out. No, that's a good card. You got Claudia Gadea and um Angela Hill in the yeah. co main, that's going to be a fun one, so I'm looking forward to that card. Uh, guys, if MMA Junkie, well, you know, I don't want to say like they're lying, but. If reports are true, then there will be no fight next week. May 23rd is essentially being pushed back one week. Um, I'm assuming it's, I'm assuming it's a lot of logistics. I'm assuming that they feel like they, I think they just want to go back to the apex. I think that although things are working right now in Florida, it's kind of like working out of, um, a hotel room. It's nice and all that, but you want to get back to the house where you control everything. Yeah, and I think that's just what UFC is trying to do. Um, I don't know. They may be thinking another week benefits all the fighters in terms of booking fights, cutting weight, and all that. After everything, um, they've had a lot of people. Like I think that uh, Pettis said that he took this fight on just a couple weeks' notice. I think you got a lot of you know, another week just suits everybody better. Maybe you have more people who are like, yeah, I can make a catch weight on this time. But I think it comes down to mostly location. I think that they... I mean, look, they're going to have three fight cards in one week. That's a lot for anybody. I wouldn't be surprised that they're like, okay, this is... We made it work from Florida, but I think they just want to get back to Vegas.
1: Yeah, it's like there's nothing like home, right? No place like home. And they have all the control and, you know, less less people to worry about because everyone on at the apex is going to be a UFC staffer, you know, apart from the commission. Yep. So yeah, it just makes more sense. Obviously there's gotta be some, some cost savings there. And, uh, and I think that it's like not a waste of energy and time, but, but yeah, a little bit to, to keep pursuing all these other States or maybe still Florida. Like that's, when you start to think about what they had to do or what they're doing now in Florida, like the number, I would love to know how much it really costs because you're probably buying out a hotel. You're buying out an arena. Obviously you're paying for all these staff, uh, additional staff, medical staff, testing, um, you know, all these things, food things, you know, some of the things they already provide, but it's a lot, man. It's a lot. And three times in a week, like, so I I don't know. I, I hope that they, I saw some tweets around about the potential like pay-per-view numbers of 700,000. That seems like a really good number. Um, but then that the ESPN ratings were lower than 248. I don't know what's true. I haven't seen anything official, but you know, you really hope that they, uh, that they, that they get what, that they get more eyeballs for being the first one out, you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think so. But um, who knows? It comes down to just logistically. I think that, if there's one thing we've seen, it's that if they can have fights, they will. So I think that they'll push for it. But May 30th, even if they can't get the Apex, I think they'll just have the card in uh, not Vegas um, in Florida again. But yeah, so um, essentially what I'm saying is I know we got excited about having all these fight cards, but next week may, we may not actually have new fights again. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like there'll be a little bit of a PTSD for us, a bit of post-trauma from... Getting excited to now. uh, Here we go again. But, guys, it's okay. We're doing all right. We're going to have recaps next week. Natalie, where can the fans find you to talk about everything?
1: Twitter at uh, Natalie Zamudio underscore and on Instagram at Zamudio
0: Rama. Guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word Double.